Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. I'm Peter, and today we're going to be reviewing Hoplomachus Remastered. What's up, Mike? I, I want to remaster myself. Can I, can I go back like 10 years? Yes. Get a nice uh, new new coat of paint. <laughs> that is, you know, that's not a bad idea. We'll, uh, we'll we'll work on that, especially since it's been a week of illnesses and fatigue and like we're supposed to. Yeah, I got you coughing. See, yeah. yeah. Speaking of, I apologize in advance, everyone on the podcast or on the stream. I'll be coughing sometimes during this uh, review. I mean, I did that for like three straight months. So hopefully your cough does not last as long as my cough did. But yeah, we're supposed to record Thursday again. I just had the worst headache for some reason. So it's just been it's been a week of whatever it's been. But I actually got some gaming in. How about you, Mike? Yeah, you go first because I got to think about what I've been playing because I've been playing a lot of things. But yes, I've been gaming some stuff. Okay, so the big two that I played since we last talked are Imperium Classics. I know I talked about mm-hmm. that last time, but I not only played it solo, but I played it with my son and he loved it. He had a blast. That's awesome. It's one of those, we had played it before, it had been a while, and I don't think he was ready for it. He loves deck builders, it's one of his favorite genres, but he was definitely more up to speed with the game at this point, and the thing he liked about it, and the thing I like about it is, you don't really know if you're winning or not, he just felt like he was doing cool things, Mm. and any game that just makes you feel like you're doing cool things, whether you're winning or not, is, I don't know, that's a huge plus in my view. You know, sometimes when they have the scoreboard on the thing and you just see you're getting your butt beat, you can't even help but being in a bad mood, you know? No, uh, totally. No, that's that's great, man. Uh, I enjoy that game a lot, but I think of it as only a solo game. Or I think two-player is the best way to play competitive, so if your son's enjoying it, that's awesome. Yep, yep. So we had fun with that. And then the other one I played for the first time on Board Game Arena with Jerry competitive game also is uh gizmos have you ever played that one no i thought you had played it before though i thought you and jerry had both played it in the past he said we had played it in the past i don't believe you him. definitely I, have because you talked to me before but you forget but yeah that, that's the the simon one right i guess but i don't remember playing it before and i don't know it's the kind of game that i think i would remember playing because I like the mechanism where marbles come down, but there there's other games that do that, right? That potion explosion, I guess, being the most famous of the one where you get these marbles that come down and you take them for actions. Yeah. It's a pretty... And then, uh, I think one of the, like, uh, factions in Merchant Cove that we played had that too, remember? I think Jerry played that yes. one. Yes. Yeah, but it's... I mean, it's it's a lot like Splendor in the fact that you're basically just taking chips, reserving a card... Or building a card, right? That That's basically it. But it has a lot more engine building in it. Because underneath each of those actions, you're going to be placing these cards that you buy. And they will be boosting the actions themselves. So every time you take a blue uh, marble, draw one randomly from the pot. And you could get two of those or three of those, right? And one could be when you get a blue marble, grab from the pot. The other one could be when you grab a blue marble, do this other thing. You know, take another grab action or whatever. Now, each card can only be used once, so you can't infinite loop on those things. But I thought it was kind of cool how it's like, okay, I'm going to do this, which will trigger this column here. And then I could do these three things in this column. And just for me, I like Splendor a lot. And I think it's a good introduction to this kind of mechanic. But I think this is a nice next step in that evolution. Cool, man. I don't know if it has solo. I, I think it would be fun. I mean, I don't, I don't remember it. I mean, you know, it's probably a fan made variant, but let me look. Yeah. What else have you been playing now? But those are the, the major two. I mean, of, of course, and then Hoplomachus. And then I got to get back to Aeon Trespass Odyssey because my son keeps like begging me to play it. I mean, it's a game that we kind of stalled out at one point, and I just need to put it back on the table. It, it's, it's not an easy game to put away and get back out again. Yes, that is very true. Yeah, when I was playing it, I had it just taking over my table for like a week straight. Uh, yeah. It looks like Gizmos is two to four players, but there's at least one very well, at least like thumbed up uh, solo variant on BGG. All right. Well, if I end up getting the game, which I probably will, I'll have to try that one. Cool. Yeah, so I'll, I'll run through a few uh, quickly. I think I might have mentioned The Princess Bride last time we were on yes. here. Yep. Yep. So now I've played, I bought at Target, it released pretty recently, the Lord of the Rings adventure book game. So same series, same basic mechanics. 
this one, unless like your family really loves Princess Bride, or if you really want to play it with younger kids, because the Princess Bride one is simpler, I think this one is better in basically every way from what I've seen so far. The scenarios seem a bit more interesting and varied. There's eight scenarios instead of six. There's a bit more gameplay in there. And the most interesting thing, so in both games, the basic idea is you're drawing cards, training them amongst yourselves, and trying to uh, have the right icons to complete quests. Like, that's really what the gameplay comes down to. Like, you need, you know, a friendship icon and a battle icon to complete this quest. Then you need this icon and this icon. And you're, like, doing, like, movement the whole time. But that's kind of, like, the main thing. Sure. So... What the what the Lord of the Rings one add that's really interesting is uh, many of the cards in the player deck that you're drawing from are the one ring, and they are wild, so they can be any icon you need. Each scenario lets them use them in special ways to like break the rules of the scenario and like make things go better. Something tells but, me if you use it a lot, it's not going to end well, though. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so every time you <laughs> use them, or even if you discard them, so like they're clogging up your hand, which has a hand limit. Okay. Even if you discard them or use them, it makes the corruption track go up by one. And the corruption track does not reset across all eight scenarios. Oh. So it's like, it's one of the only kind of campaign elements. And don't get me wrong, you can still pretty easily jump in and play this game uh, like one off if you wanted to. But yeah, it's just like a nice, like a little added kind of resource mechanism like thing. And it makes like. The scenarios so far, well, the Moria scenario is hard as heck, but the other scenarios I've played so far aren't that hard, yep. but it adds like that little bit of extra stuff. Like, you know, y- you know, you're going to beat scenario one, you know, the Nazgul aren't going to catch you unless you're like really being dumb, but are you going to beat it only using one corruption or are you going to beat it using three corruption and make your life a little bit harder down the line? So I don't know. I, I think it's pretty cool. I like I that they force you like- to use it. Like there's no way to avoid the corruption of the ring, which is yes. kind of nice. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's really neat. But yeah, so I still wouldn't recommend it for like heavy, heavy gamers. But I think the Lord of the Rings one is interesting enough mechanically that I think like ca- even casual game groups without kids, I would recommend it for. Like the Princess Bride, I would only say get if you're going to play with kids, basically. I think this one is good enough for like casual adults as well as kids, in my opinion. Do you think your kids would have been able to handle this new one had they not played Princess Bride first? Oh, yeah. It's it's not a hard game regardless. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, like literally what you do in character is you move characters up to two spaces. You can play some cards to move more or complete a challenge and you, you draw back up. That's okay. the entire thing. Got it. Yeah, so that that was one. And then just to run through a few other ones real quick, I uh, did a video. This will be coming, I think, next week, probably. I did a video for the new solo co-op um, expansion mode for Ashes Reborn, which is yes. sort of like Magic the Gathering style, uh, competitive, like construct your deck, uh, card-based fighting game. Or not fighting, really, but you know what I mean, like combat, yeah. uh, battling each other game. It's called Red Reigns. Um, I think it's only available through team covenant like they have some like exclusive yes. deal with team covenant where you have to buy it through them for a while but they sent me a review copy of just the expansion i had all the rest of the stuff myself and yeah it's really good it's like i i i do like a little mini review in my video next week and there's like a few complaints i have like not every deck works super well against it sure but it's better than uh you know like i compare it a bit to keyforge yeah exactly like this the official solo co-op mode for keyforge i think it is it is much more robust than that and almost every deck works for it. Whereas Keyforge, especially with the key rack in, like, you know, sometimes you'd play stuff and you'd be like, oh, this just doesn't work. <laughs> you well, know what to I mean? be fair, they did print the key rack in and um, the other one, uh, whatever it was called, the, the second scenario. Yeah. And they added some stuff to it and maybe even changed some stuff up. So we played the official print and play, but I, I wonder if they addressed some of our concerns in the official printed version of the Keyforge sure. stuff. Um, sure. Which I don't know. But either way, yeah, I, I think uh, Red Reigns is really good. It, it's interesting. I, f- I feel like we should almost do a podcast with this, Peter. Um, it's interesting to have played that right after I played uh, Sky Terror Horde. Yep. Which my playthrough just came out of recently. Because Sky Terror Horde is like a simpler game, and it's primarily designed for solo co-op. This is a more complicated, although not super complicated game, primarily designed for competitive, but with a solo co-op mode. But they're doing kind of similar things at the same time, but kind of in different ways. So we can almost do a podcast on it. But yeah, uh, so far, I definitely like it a lot. And if you, especially if you already have Ashes Reborn, you can 
definitely go into it. Uh, yeah, Terrence and I have been talking about playing it on the stream channel, so uh, pay attention there. We will probably be playing both of those games over the next couple weeks, and who knows, maybe we do a podcast either on both or two different podcasts, one on each. So we'll see. Anything else standing out or... Oh, Mike's son's in it. For for those of you on the podcast, this will be deleted anyway. But uh, Mike's <laughs> muted right now because his son's in, in this frame. Hello. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. My, my seven-year-old wants to buy something, and I told him not right now. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so the, the one other one I want to talk about is um, I got the uh, – th- th- this is, I think, maybe the first or second time they've actually sent a review-like element to me for free. But I got the sixth season of Exceed – which is my my favorite uh, competitive fighting game that I designed a unofficial solo mode for. So I'm working on uh, the new six season characters and making them work for the uh, the solo variants as well. It's uh, based on a fighting video game I'm not familiar with, Under in Night, I think it's called. Right. Um, but the new characters seem really cool. They're kind of more complicated, which is making it tougher to integrate them into the solo mode because they have a lot more choices. They each have like special actions they can do on their turn. But my son and I have been playing competitive a bunch to kind of get me familiar with the characters. And it's it always is fun, even whether I win or lose. That game is just always a blast. So, yeah. <laughs> so is that it. one the one with the small deck or the one with the big deck? So Exceed, yes. So, so what Peter's referring to, Level 99 Games first came out with BattleCon, um, which is their own, like, propri- proprietary IP, like their own little fantasy world they created called the World of Indians. And then they later came out with Exceed, which has been, for each season, a different um, licensed IP. So they had a Shovel Knight, which is like a really great platforming game. They had Street Fighter characters. They had Blaze Blue, which is a popular fighting series for season five. Uh, so they've been like kind of doing different things. And the, you know, Ironically, the big difference... I didn't even realize those were um, licensed because I don't know any of those licenses. No, no, Street Fighter? Oh, I know Street Fighter, yes. Street Fighter, yes. Oh, okay. Season three is Street Fighter. Get out of here. You don't know any of them. <laughs> okay, I know one of them. Sorry. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, what Peter's asking is they use somewhat similar mechanics in that, like, in the combat, both players put a card down secretly. They reveal them, and then, like, the speed, the faster card resolves first, and the other card might not do anything if you get stunned. That's pretty similar. But yeah, so uh, Peter, BattleCon is the one that is kind of perfect information where you can see exactly what like five cards they have available for each type and then you combine them. Right. Whereas Exceed has like a 30 card deck. So you still know like what they could have, but there's a lot more, there's a lot less information on what they will definitely have turn to turn, which tends for me to mean that it plays a little bit faster. You know, you don't have right. to like not think about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th- th- that has emerged definitely is the one my son and I play a lot more. I still have a ton of BattleCon stuff. I-, I made a solo mode for that too, but Exceed is is tops for me for sure. Yeah, I'll have to get that one back to the table again. Maybe we'll get you over early tonight for game night uh, and you and I could play some two-player stuff, either Ashes yeah, Reborn man. and or uh, Exceed before Jerry gets over. Sounds good. Just have to ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, actually, I have my, my uh, mom over, too, so who knows? We'll see. <laughs> you, you know who should we thank, who we should thank uh, in addition to our awesome supporting people in our lives? We should thank our patrons. And we should thank my seven-year-old for yelling. <laughs> hold, hold on one second. Peter, talk about how great patrons are real quick. Our Patreons are awesome. So uh, if you can't support us financially, it's just fine. Please support us by liking our videos, by subscribing to our channels, both the YouTube stream channel and the regular YouTube channel, and join our discussion in the Discord. Um, rate us on Apple Podcasts for the podcast, One Stop Co-op Shop. Vote for us, which is coming up, I believe, in the Board Game Geek, Golden Geek Awards. Golden Geek, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we've never even been nominated for a Golden Geek, which is interesting. Uh, no, no, that, that's fair. That's fair. That, that, that speaks to the you know the lack of quality. I think that's exactly right. <laughs> well, we like I don't know. It, it's it's interesting because I think we have a lot more downloads than some of those that have been nominated. But I don't think we have a strong board game geek presence. Like a lot of them have guilds on board game yeah. geek stuff like that. We we tend to stick to our own little co opy world. Uh, we don't we don't like you know all those competitive people coming in on our uh, you know yucking our yum. When also, I mean, n- n- nothing against them. Do, do whatever you want. But I, I've never, like, cared that much. So I'm certainly not, like, in our socials being like, oh, my gosh, everyone go vote for us. Like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> that's not really you, what I'm here for. You know what I mean? You, you haven't done, like, this big uh, campaign, like, to, to get us the Golden Geek Award? Come on. Nope. 
Yeah, I guess we'll have to make it happen one year. All right, but uh, let's thank some of our patrons. Uh, so Eli Bennett, Andy, Bolette Ohms, Jackie Ow, and Todd Honeycutt. Uh, Eli, Andy, Bolette, Jackie, and Todd, thank you all uh, so much for supporting us. And yeah, like Peter said, thanks to everyone who's uh, being part of our little community in whatever way you choose. It really helps a lot. All right, so let's talk about the reason everybody showed up today, which is Hoplomachus Remastered. We didn't say what we were going to... Oh, I did talk about it. I did say it at the beginning. But we're also at the end going to compare it to Victorum. That'll be our discussion at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for that at the end. Uh, We do have a couple people in chat. Ryan Picklesimer says, howdy, howdy. Uh, The only reason I say his name is because I can say it now. And then Steve Kingsley, the king of co-op, says... Are you not entertained? Referring to the awesome gladiator. Gladiator! Yes. So, and that is basically the theme of Hoplomachus. It's a little bit more fantasy oriented than something like a gladiator would be, but it is basically arena combat where you are either fighting against either other humanoid forms, uh, whether they be mounted or not mounted, or, you know, fantastical creatures as well, and even fight in the solo co-op mode, you're even fighting against, like, god-like creatures. So, get ready for some, you know, people on god action. People on god, that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely what the game's about. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, to get into um, <laughs> a little bit of the mechanics, so this, uh, it's chip theory games, so you have chips moving on a board, as they do in almost all of their designs, and uh So you have multiple modes you can play in. We're focusing on the two different solo co-op modes, which is Ascension and Onslaught. But there are also uh, some 1v1 competitive modes, some free-for-all modes, and some team-based modes. And this is a game that can be integrated somewhat with Hoplomachus Victorum, which uh, crowdfunded at the same time, although remastered, it seems, is getting delivered a little bit later, in that you can, like, trade units across and that kind of stuff, so kind of, like, integrate uh, elements. Victorum was an only solo campaign game we did a podcast about last year. This one, again, is, like, solo co-op competitive, all kinds of modes. And, yeah, I mean, just just to go into the mechanics a little bit, like, on your turn, you can uh, bring out more units on this hex-based grid. You can move your units around based on their movement stats. You can attack with people, usually if you're next to other people. It's dice-based combat, so you're dealing damage. And depending on the mode, for all the solo co-op modes, you're basically trying to kill a boss. But in all the modes, the boss is, like, not killable at first. So generally, you have to, like, do different things. There's sort of, like, little side quests or area control or different, like, elements that allow the boss to become vulnerable. And, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into more specifics, I think, as we go into the review. But that's kind of the basic idea. It's like a tactical, uh, hex-based combat game. With uh, these chips, you have health chips underneath the chips representing your unit. That's kind of chip uh, theory's thing. And that's that's the deal. Cool. Well, if you haven't joined us before, welcome. Uh, what we do here is we talk about the top five things we think you need to know about the game, <laughs> starting with number five and ending with number one. Five being what we think is the least important thing for you to know. One being the most important thing. But all five are important or they wouldn't even make the list. So, Mike, do you want to get started or you want me to go? I'll get started before I cough myself to death. Sure. Uh, so my number five, and something that's important to me and I did not think was that strong in the original Hoplomachus is the faction variety. Okay. Um, you have, I think, seven factions in seven Remastered. Faction. Yep. Yeah, there's like one missing that was in Victorum, the Vesuvian-like Titan uh, faction. But I yes, think you're so right. you have seven yes. factions. And I-, I called this one a mix because it is a lot of factions, They each have a unique champion, each have one unique tactic, these have three unique units, and they tend to have like sort of a theme, like there'll be one keyword, one special ability that most of their people have, or there'll be like uh, combos kind of inherent in their faction. So I really like that. I I think that's a lot of fun. The reason it's a mix, though, is that more than half of their stuff is not unique to them. Uh, Each faction has three out of four basic units represented that are exactly the same faction to faction. And then even... Even for their unique units, they don't always feel like that unique. It'll be like, this is an archer, but they move slightly faster. This is an archer, but they roll slightly different dice. You know, like, so it's, and don't get me wrong, like, those things are meaningful. Like, none of those little changes or keyword additions don't matter. They all do matter. But yeah, like, if, (laughs) you know me, I'm always a sucker for unique units and stuff. That's why, like, you know, Cloud Spire is maybe Peter's least favorite chip theory game because there's so many keywords and rules to keep track of. But for me, that's catnip. Like, I don't mind having to keep track of stuff if it makes things very unique. Um, Now, 
The one thing I will note is that if you have Victorum, you can swap in the uh, units for the factions and vice versa. So I think that would let you make a faction entirely unique or almost entirely unique where you have like no repeated things across factions. But that's, what is it, like $300 for both of those or $350? <laughs> so I'm not recommending that. Right. I'm just saying if you, uh, if you also like major faction variety, uh, having Victorum gives you options to, to really amp that up even more. Yeah. And so it's interesting how broad you went on that, because I, I dig a little bit deeper into individual elements of that. And I feel like I'm going to go broad on my number five, and you'll probably go deeper on the uh, individual elements. We'll see how that works out. So my number five is there are the two different game modes that it comes with. In one of them, you are basically kind of leveling up as you go around, as you damage different enemies, you're going to level up on these different tracks, which you can, in neither of the modes, actually, can you bring your hero out at the very beginning of the game. You kind of have to build up to get your hero. But in this one mode, you're building other things like turrets around the board and everything else with the main goal of defeating the big bad guy. I think that's kind of a a quicker mode just because it's like all encompassed in one. The other mode they have is where you're ascending and you kind of level up each time you play, but you can only level up by attacking the boss, but you can never hurt the boss by directly attacking them. You're going to hurt the boss by controlling points on the board and you're going to hurt the boss by defeating the other little minions that are out there assisting them. So I think the two game modes feel very different. It, this is both a pro and a con in the fact that there aren't more options or more variety in the options, I think would be my con, but they do feel distinctly different from each other. They have different bosses for each of them. So I guess I'm kind of counteracting my points here because there is a decent amount of variety, but uh, I will say the one game mode where you're fighting boss after boss after boss seemed more fun to me because you get to kind of, you're kind of playing the long game there. Like which units do I think I'm going to need down the road? And as I level up, how do I get certain units back so they can have them for future missions? And which tactics do I use here? And oh my gosh, I'm about to level up with crowd favor. Maybe I should, you know, spend these <laughs> tactics quickly so I can get them back. So there's more long-term strategy for me in that one, whereas the other one's much more tactical game. And I'm not also convinced that that one is 100% as balanced as it should be. It seems a little bit on the easy side, uh, whereas the, you know, the mode where you keep fighting and fighting um, definitely is challenging um, to get further along. Yeah, and I agree with basically everything you said, but I'm going to go into more detail. In fact, I split those into two different points. Is I figured you did. Well, I, I split your number five into like three different points. So that's well, okay. <laughs> All right, so my number four is also a pretty uh, broad one, but it's the luck and dice in the game uh, because this is heavily dice-based, even more so here than, like, I would say in Hoplo Victorum because both uh, both games and, like, kind of the Hoplomachus series in general does have very impactful dice-based combat. But uh, for both the Immortals in the Onslaught mode and the Titans the Ascension mode, their special powers, their activations, like what they do on their turn is partially based on rolling these dice as well. I'll say for the combat side of things, this is pretty much a pro because yes, each attack can be incredibly important. And like, if you roll terribly or roll great, it can totally change the scope of the game for the moment. But that I think is a lot of the fun, right? And you roll so many attacks like over the course of one of these games that it's usually going to balance out to some extent. So I don't mind the luck of the dice. In fact, I enjoy the excitement of it for like the actual fighting. I do think the dice can be pretty problematic, especially in the Ascension mode with the Titans, the one that Peter just said was not balanced. Like, I've had games where the swing just ruined it either way. Like, if they keep on triggering their best abilities, because their abilities can be, like, ridiculously different based on the die rolls. It's yeah. like, oh, if they got, like, zero, they don't attack at all. If they got <laughs> yeah. three, they attack four of your people for plus five damage. Like, it's, right. it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Like, you can like one roll could win or lose the game for you to an extent. So I, I felt like those dice swung too far and sometimes it's led to unfun games on either side, too easy or too hard. But the, the actual like luck of the dice in the combat and the competitive play, no real complaints. I think it, it's, it's as vicious and tense as it should be. Nice. No, I, I agree. Um, and yeah, that, that I guess is the one thing with that uh, one mode. Activating the enemies is based on dice rolls. And it, if you hit them all, 
that's going to be very different than if you miss them all. Because um, we had one game where like two rounds in a row, we missed, you know, complete blank. Like nothing rolled a hit. And it's like, yeah, well, the boss just sat there. We were like, literally yeah, right, for two we'll, turns in a row and watched us. We'll kill you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it leads to kind of quicker games and kind of fun stories at the end of the day. But still, it's not tactically satisfying. Uh, whereas the other mode, I felt like it was more consistent that the bosses and the enemies were doing stuff because they weren't activated as much by the dice. Right. If I remember correctly. Well, yeah, the, and yeah, the big thing. And again, I'll, I'll talk about the individual modes a bit more in a second. But the immortal bosses in the onslaught mode, they move and attack every turn. You're just rolling to see if they activate their like little bonus ability. Right. Whereas the right. Titans in Ascension mode literally do nothing. If unless you roll like the thing rolls for them to move, the thing rolls for them to attack. So they might like roll all their attacks, but not be in range because they didn't roll their movement. Like it's very hit or miss what they do. Yeah. All right, but my number four is the tactical chi- or the tactics chips. I'm sorry. So every faction has four tactics chips, three of which are the same as every other faction has. And we'll get into this. Ryan had a comment, um, but I'll get into it when we get into units because that's what he was referring to. But uh, so the tactics chips, the basic ones, one of them makes it so that an enemy can't move and attack on the same turn. They either have to move or attack. Uh, another one gives one of your units plus two health. Another one... Um, Oh, gosh. What is the other one? Why can't I think of it? The other basic um, one. Yeah, you did hamstring. You did uh, um, adrenaline. Plus oh, it's stun. You already get that? Yeah. There, there's one. Oh, yeah. Stun. Stun. Yeah, yeah. Which basically makes a unit not activate for a turn. And these, to me, are one of the keys of the tactics of the game. Like, I really think a lot of the strategy and tactics of the game are around this. Like, I would put the hamstring on somebody and I would just kite them around. And so they couldn't move and attack on the same turn. Whereas as long as your units aren't hamstrung, you can do that. So it was kind of fun to do that. Now you can't do it on the bosses, but that's also, I think what makes it more fun (laughs) is that you can't take out their most powerful units with them, but you can certainly go, okay, this turn, I need this person to survive. Well, I'm going to have to stun the person around it or hamstring and like really deciding when and how to use those tactic chips really to me is a lot of the fun and tactics. And then every faction has their own unique one as well. Um, Now in the one mode, I'll let Mike talk about this more closely. You get all four of them and then you can earn them back. Um, That's the one where it's round after round. You can earn them back each round by getting to a certain level of crowd favor. The other mode, you only start with one of them, right? Or do you only ever get one of them? Yeah. You only have one. (laughs) Yeah. You only get (laughs) one of them. And it's single use. Right. So again, which is, part of the reason that the the one mode for me is better, the one where you're fighting boss after boss. I should finally figure out the name of that one. What's that, Onslaught? Uh, that's Ascension. The one that's with Ascension. the Titans, the one tactic chip, yeah. Yeah, so the Ascension mode for me was better because of that, because I like tactical. I know, Onslaught was better. Onslaught, sorry. O- Onslaught is one where you're doing like the, the grind of fighting through multiple immortals. Yes. So for me, that was better because it was more tactical to me in the long run, um, using those tactics chips, using your units in tactical ways and making sure uh, the least number of them as possible die so that you have them for future battles. You know, the tactical part of the game is the part I enjoy. I love tactical combat and tactics chips really added to that um, strategy of each turn. So that's my number four, the tactics chips. Yeah. My number three, just to jump off what you were just saying is the onslaught mode specifically, And I thought this was great. Uh, To go along with what Peter just said, this one has the resource management. This one has the toughest choices. And that's what I, one of the things I loved most about Victorum was the, you know, not to go too much into this because that's our design discussion, but was like kind of the management of stuff and like the units and your squad. And this feels like a quicker, like kind of sit down and play quickly version of that to an extent because you know, every unit you lose, although there are ways to get them back with the crowd favor, every unit you lose is like, a major knock against you, you know, and like you gotta, it keeps on getting more and more extreme and more and more challenging as you go through. I just found it very, um, yeah, tactically engaging. Like you said, Peter, more tactics, chips, more interesting things you can do there. Um, you have access to your entire roster, whereas the Ascension mode kind of limits you. So you really get to like play around with a faction and see how they do things. I thought the, uh, to quickly mention the co-op balance in the onslaught mode, I thought was better. You each can have, like, generally two units out, and the enemies get more to match. 
Whereas in the Ascension mode, you're spawning units twice as quickly. And I just felt like the, it was another thing that made the balance off. But I'll get to that in a second. So yeah, I, I think the Onslaught mode is, for me, by far the best way to play solo co-op. And, and I think the best value you're getting in terms of gameplay from buying Remastered if you're focusing on solo co-op and not on competitive play. It's interesting that you put that one lower. Now, maybe you're not going to have the other one as a higher point. Maybe you just left it off completely. But it's interesting. No, no, no. The- I'll explain. I got it. I got reasons. <laughs> okay. All right. I was going to say, it's interesting that the one you liked better, you put as a lower point. Because for me, the other one, you could just leave out of the box and it wouldn't matter, right? You just play the, the mode that you like more. All right. So my number three, again, building off of your number five point is the units. And uh, I will have some comments here from Ryan, um, who had some comments specifically about the units. But I I agree with you that the units are similar, but not the same. Three of the four are basically um, very similar within factions. One of them has a taunt. The other one's a range unit. The other one's your, like, tactician, which means they can move early and place tactics chips on people even all the way across the board. And then even to go beyond that, everybody has like a beast and a beast handler as well in this version of the game. So uh, there's a lot of similarities within the units. But for me, this is a huge pro. Whereas for you, you like more variety. For me, I hate and they have a double sided and I got it right here (laughs) for those of you on the stream. They have a double sided like keyword thing, like unit skills. But because they're similar, most of the skills are similar from faction to faction. It's very easy for me to pick up and play a new faction. And there's enough variety in there. And as you said, you know, one or two points of movement or one or two extra attack or, or whatever it is, upgrading one of the dice can make a huge difference in the game and in the in what you're going to do in the strategy of the game. So for me, it's a huge pro because I don't have to learn a new game, it feels like, every time I play. Whereas for... Um, oh, uh, Cloudspire, Cloudspire. Yeah, for Cloudspire, I felt like every time I was playing, I was having to learn like 50 new things and it was just overwhelming for me. So for me, the unit lack of variety, if you want to call it that, but with enough variety to make it fun was a huge pro for me. <laughs> so if you're more leaning my way where you want something that's easier to get to the table and easier to play, I think that's what this one uh, offers above and beyond something like Cloudspire, where I feel like every time I played that game, I would have to relearn it. Um, but Ryan's on your side. He says, completely agree on the unit variety. Uh, I've said that since the Kickstarter campaign, really wish they had more unique units for each faction instead of the generic units. And again, I'm going to uh, say that that is not my point. That's from Ryan. And Ryan also says, even two out of four would have helped a lot. Um, and I do think with the ability to cross over with Victorum, although, as you said, very expensive way to uh, to bling out your game. Um, you know, I will say I just another game. It's only two uh, two hundred eighty dollars if I'm reading this correctly. MSRP. That's <laughs> nothing to have the option to have all your units unique. <laughs> right. But for me, I actually like the fact that they're not, because not only when I'm playing, do I not have to worry about my units, I also don't have to worry about the enemy units that much. Mm. And I still found myself looking up keywords all the time, um, but not to the point where it distracted from gameplay for me. So that's a huge pro when I don't have to have my head dug in the rulebook to figure (laughs) out what every single little tactical, you know, consideration I have to have is is good. It lets me focus on gameplay and tactics rather than figuring out keywords. So for me, a huge pro, but I know for other people, it won't be. So that's the unit variety. All right. Yeah, so Ascension Mode. Why did I put it at number two when Onslaught Mode is my favorite? Uh, And this is a full con for me. And the reason is, I I mean, you're right. You can just leave it in the box. And especially if you're buying Hoplomachus Remastered for competitive play, then that's going to be fine. I think you're still going to get a very good value. It's like a great game, lots of variety in there. But yeah, if you're trying to get this for solo co-op and you're paying that much money, I think uh, half the game not being up to snuff, in my opinion, is a pretty bad thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Because in a way, like the Titans are the more unique bosses, right? Like yes. the Immortal Mode, I would see potentially getting more saving than the Titans. Well, it, theoretically, but it doesn't because it's better. Yes, yeah, so, so Ascension, uh, just lots of things that I didn't like. Um, I think I played just Ascension mode six or seven times, playing almost every uh, Titan. And I had like a satisfying game where it wasn't way too easy or way too hard or like laughably uh, telegraphed what I should do. Like one, maybe two out of those games. I think one of them was with you, Peter. Right. 
Um, like that one time. What? Actually, do we even have a good game we played? And one of the two was certainly better, but yeah, the closer. one time, like you, we literally rolled blanks like several times. We we're like, well, should we re-roll this to make sure that the enemy does at- yeah. something at all? We're like, ah, it'll yeah, be so, over so, in a second. So, <laughs> like, like I've been looking through forums to see if I'm like on an island here, and I don't think I am. Some of the titans are just like way too easy. Just that's it. They're way too easy. Some of the ones that aren't too easy or or are too easy are too easy because it's obvious and there's like a specific strategy to pursue and you would never not do that strategy and, and right and it's stupid you know like it's like the i think the one i did a video of it was the first time i had played her i didn't realize i was playing one that was stupid <laughs> but it was like she can only move a little bit and if you just like don't go there until you're <laughs> powered up and you have a lot of people and then you kill her and it's like yep I win. I don't know. It's weird. And then, right. you know, you add on the super swinginess of the dice where sometimes they'll just roll badly and nothing will happen. You add on that the co-op balances off because you're spawning twice as fast. So it just feels like they can't keep up with you sometimes. I don't know. Uh, I, I think there are some Titans in there that are good and worth playing. And I think other ones are like worth a single play. So you'll get some value out of it. But yeah, I, I feel like in terms of remastered and Victorum, where everything they did seems like a big upgrade and improvement over the previous mode, this is the only thing where, like, I don't know, I just don't think it came together that well. I, I don't remember the Titans in Rise of Rome that well. I think they were pretty fun to play against, so I feel like this might even be a step backwards, in my opinion. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty down on it, as you can tell. Um, just because I... And, and it's mainly because I love everything else. Like, I love the Immortal mode. I love the Onslaught mode. I, I And I like... Uh, competitive play too and i love victorum so this is like the only knock in the uh the hoplo you know crown right but it annoyed me enough that it was my number two because i was like man i just feel like the ball was dropped in some way or i'm or i'm just missing something i don't know well in final thoughts we'll get to something else which you might be missing as well um which i've heard some complaints about but we'll, we'll get to that in our final thoughts, I think, because it's not one of my points. Um, my number two is the heroes. So continuing on your number five. So the reason I think that the units being somewhat similar doesn't bother me as much is because the heroes are unique and they each play in their own different way. Now, you don't get them at the beginning of the game, but I think that's cool, too. I think it's cool that you have to build up and you build up in different ways based on the mode to get your hero each match. You can't just come right out from the beginning with your hero and just like you know, slaughter everything from the beginning. And I think what you have to do is different from game to game as well uh, to get your hero, because sometimes the units will come out super fast and hard and hot at you. And so you got to take care of them to build up enough, you know, uh, oh, actually, no, well, depending on the mode, yes. But sometimes you got to take care of them pretty quickly and then focus on getting your hero. So just even the ways you get your hero, I think, are fun to, again, for me, it's all about the tactical puzzle. I think it's a fun tactical puzzle to figure out how and when to get your hero each game and when to introduce them. And again, based on whether they're a hard-hitting hero with a lot of health or whether they're a ranged hero or what they are, I think you're going to... They do make the factions feel different to me. Um, now, it's not, again, night and day, and sometimes they'll even just be a better version of one of your units. But I do think it's interesting how, you gonna, how you're going to combo them with the units you have and things like that. So for me... Again, it's all about tactics, and the heroes do make the factions feel different. So, for me, it's a huge um, pro, and I love I love how each faction has different heroes, and I like in each mode how you have to get your hero and tactically think about it uh, is different as well. Yeah, no, totally agree. My number one is another smashing them together. That's like all the tactics and all the choices. <laughs> Right. And um, full, full pro. Like, I continue to love the core combat system in Hoplomachus. The, the very limited movement, the fact that you can't move through chips your own or the enemies. In, in all the modes, even with my complaints about Ascension mode, this is uh, the case here, too. The predictability of the enemies leading you to have the ability to make really clever, like, combos and clever, like, kind of tactical traps for them. I think all of that is great. Yeah, I, even, even in Ascension mode, I have fun playing because that core combat is fun. But in onslaught mode and competitive, I just think this is a great system. And I heard somebody in our Discord rumoring that um, I don't know if this is true at all, by the way. So don't 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 take my word for this. But that the new uh, Elder Scrolls online game coming from them might be kind of like a mix of Hoplo and Too Many Bones, and then you'll have like a main like a single character who's kind of more unique, like Too Many Bones, but that you'll be like more on a Hoplomachus style 
like freeboard instead of like the very segmented four by four grid of too many bones. Sure. That'd be awesome. Cause I like this uh, combat system and I think they have like great stuff going on here. Well, especially uh, yes. if they take the complexity in it in between level as well. well. Yeah, it's supposed to be the most like streamlined of them too, because they're trying to like appeal to like a more video game friendly audience. So, well, that might if be, all that's true. It yeah. could be amazing. We'll see. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we'll anyway. have to wait for that one. So, is that one yes. on Kickstarter yet, or no? It's uh, I think it's kind of funny at the end of the month. I want to say like the twenty eighth or something okay. around there. Well, yeah, and I, when, I'll, when I'll, you... I don't think we're covering it, uh, but we'll see what happens. Oh, you don't. Oh, they usually send us everything. That's interesting. No, well, no, no. They, they, usually we get to play everything, but th- they tend to be very early with their crowdfunding. Like if you remember for uh, for Burn Cycle, I did a TTS playthrough because they didn't yeah. have physical stuff yet. Uh, for Twenty Strong, I don't think anybody did a playthrough. That's like their little like smaller game. Like except for internally, I don't think they had anything ready yet. Sure. Uh, too many bones unbreakable. They didn't really have anything. I just like we just talked about it because too many bones is cool. Um, yes, yeah, so, so it's, it's very hit or miss. And, and even then they, I, I respect this. They try to like spread out which channels get like the main coverage of their previews and stuff. Sure. It doesn't always need to be us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. All right. So let's talk about final <laughs> thoughts here. I mean, I, I, I you got Wait, into it. What was your number one? Oh, my number one. I'm sorry. I didn't get to my number one yet. Let me, I'm pulling <laughs> up my list. That's why. Uh, so it, my number one is it is, it has an easy and repeatable sequence of play. And this is super important for me, obviously. I think it's the reason I like Hoplo and all the iterations of Hoplo because it's always the same. First thing, you summon one of your units. Then you can play tactics chips, usually only on your units. But if somebody has a tactician, you can play it anywhere. Third, you move your units. Then you attack with your unit. It's like very easy, repeatable. And it's not just what you do. It's what the enemy does as well. Your turn and then the enemy turn. The enemies like activate in a similar way to the way... Oh, I guess you're not moving all your units first, right? That's right. You move and attack with each one individually, but it's still like very simple. They keep the number of units on the board down. I think you have a maximum of three units uh, on the board. So like, I don't know. They do everything to keep tactics top line and bandwidth for other things way down. And that's why, again, the units being similar doesn't bother me. Now, I almost wish, uh, you know, in an ideal world, you would have all the units from Hoplomachus remastered and Victorum in one set. And it's like, okay, play with these units and then replace like one at a time as you get better at the game. You know what I mean? Like almost in advanced mode. So it would have been nice. It wouldn't have cost that much extra for like an extra two or three chips per per faction. And it's like, okay, these are the 10 you play with when you're starting. And then, you know, you can swap out one or two of them as you get better at the game. So that might have been a nice option. It is an option, as we've said many times if you own both but i do like the fact that they do everything possible to keep complexity down um and so for me that is the biggest pro the biggest thing that keeps me coming back to this game i never have a problem taking it off the shelf learning it whatever else mike knows we're supposed to review some games and i just never got to them because i didn't want to learn them right like like the learning curve is just ridiculous whereas this game it's so easy to get to the table um and you know that is why it will continue to to make the table for me all right well, do you want to add anything, Peter? That kind of sounded like your final thoughts, but... Uh... Yeah, the, 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 a couple other things that we didn't really cover. Uh, number one is I love the chip mechanism. You know, we, we didn't really talk about it, but it's in too many bones. It's in a lot of things. You know, it's just so smart to me, right? You have all your unit abilities. You don't need cards. You don't need anything else. Yep. They're right there on your unit. You have one quick reference page to, to reference everything. And then, like, so your opponent can see it just as easily as you can. And then the chips underneath. I mean, even the fact that they use different colored chips to, to determine, like, whose team that, that character is on, right? It's just... Everything is done in such a way to make the game easy to play and just very tactic, uh, tactically satisfying as well. Moving the chips around, removing a chip to remove health, adding a chip back on. You know, there's not these little tiny chits that you put on top of cards and things like that to, you know, determine your health. And, and it's like, how much health does that person have left? It's all very visually obvious on the table. And I think that makes it satisfying also. So that's another pro for me that it's not like in my five points. But again, I, I think adds to the overall feeling of what makes this game so cool for me. Um, number one, tactics. Number two, just how easy they make it to play a tactical game. So that's my final Yeah, point. I mean, I've... I know this is sacrilegious to some people, but I, I put uh, tokens, and I would say like the chips of chip theory are kind of along the same lines. 
I put tokens above standees and miniatures personally because you can have all the game information like right on them and they're just like staring you up in the face. You know what I mean? So like chits in war games, chips and chip theory games, anything where it's like a flat thing with all your info and you move that thing around. <laughs> I love that just for ease of play. You know what I mean? Yep. But you're right that this is like the sexy version because it's it's nice and it clacks together. And then, yeah, you've got like the height visual uh, guide for health. It's all pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, so I think we'll get into Hoplo Remastered versus Victorum in a minute, but just on its own merits, I think Hoplo Malchus uh, Remastered is great. I think it is definitely an improvement over the original Hoplo Malchus, and that's already one I really enjoyed. I think it's excellent for fun and quick uh, competitive play. I think the faction variety is pretty cool, but like not too overwhelming, so it's a pretty accessible game. The dice combat is exciting. Uh, the tactical movement is great. The different ways to play, the different like boards you can play on are really neat. If you're getting it just for solo co-op, I think I would just be aware that the one mode, uh, like half of the modes, is maybe not as great, especially for co-op, in my opinion. Uh, it's a little bit better for solo, a little bit more challenging. But uh, the onslaught mode is great. And certainly if you're going to be playing the game for competitive as well, I mean, it's an expensive game. You know, this is not cheap. If you want a skirmish game, there are cheaper options out there. Uh, they want to have big chips and giant bucks, but, <laughs> you know, and a really nice neoprene board, but they're out there. But yeah, but for the price you're paying, I think you get a lot of cool content in here. And I think it's a, a really solid game to go into. Just do it solo co-op. I don't think all the modes are uh, slam dunks, basically. So comparing this again to the original game, before we start comparing it to uh, the new one, there there's only two maps here. Right. So that's something that the original Hoplomachus had, which was map variety. There's like six different maps. Or well, something. well, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> OK, we got to clarify here. So original just to walk through the series real quick for people who don't know. So Hoplomachus started with Hoplomachus, the Lost Cities, which was a single map and had a single solo co-op mode that is similar to the Immortals mode, Peter. Like you would have these criminals right. and beasts spawning and you would have to fight them. The second set was Rise of Rome that had a new map had a solo co-op mode against Titans and is most analogous to the Ascension mode here. And then the third smaller set, which was called Origins, had a bunch of little uh, solo focus, although you could also do 1v1 maps that would have like unique elements. And that became Victorum yeah, in I was a about much to more say, complex way. Yeah, those, so, those yeah, maps it, are you, all You would have had Victorum. to spend hundreds of dollars to get what you're getting here. This has better map variety than any single expensive set of the original Hoplo. But yes, if you're talking about the entire, all three sets of Hoplo, which I think would have run you like $200, $250, then there is better map variety. <laughs> but it's not quite a one-to-one -one comparison. So know? then do you think that the, the combination of this and Victorum covers everything from that original set? It covers everything from that original and more. I mean, there are some things that because the original the had that this doesn't have. Yeah, like the campaign is more um, and there's more titans here than the original Rise to Rome and like that kind of thing. And there's more factions. So yeah, I, I think I think it's it's more. And and Remastered is a if you're just looking at how much you would have had to spend for Rise to, uh, of Rome and Lost Cities, like the two that it kind of matches up against, Remastered is cheaper I believe than the combo of those. Got um, it. Now, if you had both of those and you had to pay for this, do you think it's enough of an upgrade to buy the new one? No. Okay. No, I would say no. I think Remastered is a vastly different beast. Oh, no, sorry, not Remastered. Victorum. Did I say Remastered? You did say Victorum. Vic yeah. I think Victorum yeah. is a, a very different beast and like kind of doing its own very different thing. Um, and it really goes past like what origins the most similar set was doing but this i feel like is much more like a we're trying to do a better version of the original hoplo and i think it is definitely better i did uh sell our like peter and i had kind of been sharing it i sold our set of lost cities and rise to rome and i found a buyer i sold it at a vast discount but still i think if you could do that but if you're gonna like keep the old one and buy the new one and not you don't have an easy way to sell the old one and get recoup some money, then I don't know if you need remastered personally. Okay. Yeah, and I think I'm on the same page with you. I for somebody who did not play it nearly as much as you did, I did not notice the differences between this and the original game <laughs> as far now the solo modes, yes. Um I, I did like the solo modes in this one a lot. 
but I didn't notice as far as unit variety, faction variety, things like that. I didn't notice a huge difference between this and the core game. So I I think you're right. I think if you have that one, be satisfied with it. I don't remember the boss modes as much in the original one. Maybe they were just as fun as they are here. I know like Liz loves Hoplo um, and she always loved those solo modes. So, and, I mean, the, the, the Titan thing I'm mixed on, I feel like it might've worked better in Rise to Rome or like a bit more consistently. Right. The, the onslaught mode in Remastered is way better than any of them. I think it's so much more interesting with the kind of survival element and you keep on going. I mean, I think, they kind of had that in the original Lost Cities. Like, I think he would try to fight multiple uh, people in a row, but it wasn't as interesting. I, I just don't remember it being, like, nearly as cool. Gotcha. All right, so let's pull out the uh, the final discussion, which is Remastered versus Victorum. What's the same? What's different? Um, did you have, like, a points list you wanted to go over? or uh, how, No, how I just have, like, this? a few key things to hit. Okay. Um, yeah, so the first thing I'll point out that... I love Invictorum, and I do feel like Remastered is like a little bit of a letdown in comparison, are the uh, different arenas, yep. uh, as you kind of hinted at. So they are different, like especially for competitive play. Um, the difference between playing on the one side and the other, like having, uh, you know, putting out these like archer neutral units and stuff. It, it is pretty interesting, like how things change up. And on one side, like your champion starts in play, but they're chained up so you can go and kill them before they activate. Like there's some neat differences there, but it still doesn't compare for me to like the Victorum difference of like going up the stairs or dealing with the moving walls or grabbing the trident. Like there's like a lot of like really fun, like little like mini game ish kind of things going on in those arenas. Yeah. But I, I respect both for what they're doing. Uh, remastered is the more streamlined thing to get into there's yes. less stuff to keep track of it's certainly gonna be easier to like teach somebody else to play it so i think it does what it means to do a solo campaign game it's easier to have like more rules in there because you're just playing by yourself and you can look back and take some time and like review and all that kind of stuff and i think it's okay but yeah so that's one big difference what's that one for you well i think the big difference for me is that you can play uh remastered co-op well, yes, <laughs> you know, it's not even an option in Victorum. It's solo only. So right then and there. And I think you're right. If I'm going to introduce somebody to the series, I think remastered is a better first step um, yes. uh, unless they're a heavy game. Look, some people just are never going to be happy with something as light as Hoplomachus remastered. Uh, as far as an experience goes, <laughs> they're going to want all the moving walls and the grabbing the tridents and the, you know, talking about adding a lot of tactics when you add a lot of map variety as you were saying it adds to the tactical puzzle but it also to a point where it could slow you down and like fry your brain if you're over worried about it um the nice part is it tends to be that you're in an area for a little bit in re- in uh, victorum so you tend to play on the same <laughs> map over and over and then move to a new area and play that map over and over so a lot of times you're not like learning a new map to play at once and then right. moving on to the next map but i do like the tactical variety that those maps add but i do think in remastered they did some cool things to make tactics important as well with the boss variety and (laughs) with even the units that come out are very different some of them you don't mind running up to and just beating on and some of them are like oh if they get the first attack on me i'm in trouble here um so really even just thinking about something as simple as that does make the tactics in remastered good but again remastered is the only way you can play co-op and we are one-stop co-op shop and i do think the co-op modes are good um you know we didn't really talk about that as much in remastered but i do think playing cooperatively is fun i don't feel like you're i don't feel like you're missing anything when you're playing co-op. yeah no no I, I had fun with it too and i mean even though it's not our focus i think the competitive play is really good yep. for remastered so you you certainly get a lot and remastered is the cheaper option i believe by like 20 bucks or something yeah so yeah you're, you're getting a lot of play variety remastered res victorum is like solo campaign get back out with anything else yeah and the other big difference i, I know you and i peter it's because of reviewing things we're kind of like solo i mean uh we're kind of campaign fatigued yes. <laughs> you know what i mean i think that's a lot of people so it is lovely that remastered it's not doesn't take that long to set up like it's a big game but it's it's pretty quick to get going you just grab your faction grab a few other things and you're ready to go you know a game of remaster can be done in like an hour victorum the fastest i've seen people do like one of the three acts is maybe uh or is it four acts four acts yeah you gotta fight three yeah like and each of them can take like five to six to seven hours depending on how fast you go 
So yeah, you like. Your, I don't think it's that. I long. mean. Okay, maybe not. Uh, you, yeah, you know what? No, no, no I, I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah, sorry. I was each act like, is oh, only like an hour. Yeah, and yeah half. each hour, act hour is like an hour half. and a half to two hours. I would say maybe for the average person. Yeah. So yes, but still, like it's like seven to eight hours to like play through the whole thing. Now, of course, you don't have to do that in one go. And some people are going to love the campaign stuff, but that's definitely something to keep in mind for the comparison between the two. Yeah, I mean, the big pro for Victorum for me is the leveling up. You're going to level yeah. up your hero which is really cool. Like you level up the dice on your hero, you level up the number of units you can have with you, and you kind of have to decide which fights you want to go into. You go into riskier fights to like level yourself up, but then you can do not easier fights, but they're less risky because you're not using losing units permanently, but to like kind of rebuild up your army. So I do like the the tactical choices you even have to make on the map, like which do I want to do? Each individual game of Victorum's pretty quick because those maps yeah. are a lot smaller. So it's, I mean, it's quick and deadly um, and you just kind of get in and out. But I do love leveling. I mean, for me, leveling is one of my favorite things in games. And the fact that it adds it to this system is really cool for me. Now, yes, you're paying the the cost of time, right? But <laughs> throughout the this, the thing, I feel like I'm always leveling up. I'm always getting better. And that's fun, you know, to, to work and get better and better, like in building toward this epic conclusion. It doesn't feel, I mean, it can feel grindy at times to me, but the nice part is it's easy enough to put away and then come back to yes. it later. But it doesn't, it, it always feels like I'm working towards something. It always feels like I'm yeah. working toward getting better. And for me, that's a huge pro for Victorum. Like, I like the leveling up. You don't get that as much in Remastered. Although, through those six, you know, hopefully you can beat all six bosses. We haven't done it yet. But, you know, through those six <laughs> bosses, there is there is a tactical progression. But it's almost like you want to get back to where you were at the beginning. It's almost like you're Yeah, you, you get weaker. Yes, as, as you Except go for along. unlocking, uh, I guess, the bonus champion if you get them. But that's like a one-time bonus, too. Um, Correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll add on. Like, I, I I call it less the leveling and more the squad management. Yep. But I love the, like, recruiting units and then the sadness of losing them. I've, I've compared it to XCOM, like, when I talked about the game originally. Yep. I love that aspect of Victorum. And, um, you know, Remastered has the advantage in that they are kind of simpler units and simpler stuff going on in the arena. But I do really appreciate how Victorum did the slow unlocking of units. Yep. Like at first you're just fighting basic people and then you like unlock one unit and they're on your side. Oh no, they died. Now they're in the bag and you'll fight them. But you know that unit, you know what their keywords do because like they've slowly become like part of kind of the, the milieu of the combat you might be facing. So yeah, I think uh, both games have like a nice way of doing the onboarding and the kind of, uh, you know, the hand holding as you're learning to play. But both, I would say, are like I always said, Hoplo was the easiest of the big chip theory games to learn. Yep. And I think that's even as much or more the case now. Like Cloud Spire, Too Many Bones, uh, Bird Cycle, I think all of those have more going on. When you first jump in, I think Hoplo kind of <laughs> holds your hand a bit in a nice way. All right, so Brant Sanderson just jumped in. He said, just finished a complete campaign of Victorum, and it was absolutely fantastic. We played with two players and stayed fully engaged the entire 10 hours. So, Brant, awesome. I'm, I'm curious how you played it multiplayer. I guess you just let somebody control some units, or you let somebody control something else, or did you let people take alternating turns? How did you end up playing it multiplayer, Brant? Um, because obviously it doesn't support multiplayer out of yeah. the box. But you know. I mean, we, we, we did. I should have said this, like... I've been an advocate recently with my kids of like just putting co-op into solo games. And usually it's by alternating turns. That's we, I did play like a battle of Hoplo Victorum with my son alternating turns and it worked out fine. Cool. Um, So it can be co-op. It's not technically co-op, but whatever. I mean, really in the end, all that remastered's co-op is, is like, Hey, you both have units. Well, yes, (laughs) you you own those and I own these, you know, like in the end, it's it's not that different from what you could do with Victorum. Sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I think taking alternating turns is a good way to do it. Um, that's what you did with Liz when you played Final Girl. Um, yes. You just alternated turns. And I think it's easy enough to just do that. Um, Brent says, that we made all the decisions as a team. I rolled the huh. enemy dice and the other player rolled our team's dice. So what they're saying <laughs> is Brant is cursed. He rolls terribly. Yeah. So... 
Go ahead. But roll for the Grant, enemy. Grant roll. was the game master and the other person was the hero. <laughs> roll terribly for the AI. Uh, <laughs> good job, Brant. Uh, yes. And if Brant got hot, they probably switched. That's what I would do. <laughs> like, no, no, no. You're rolling for us now. I'll roll. <laughs> I haven't rolled a sword in five turns. I'm going to roll for the enemy for a while. So I guess here's the big question, Peter. If you only owned one, currently we own both. I haven't called either of them. Yep. If you only owned one, which one would it be? It would be Victorum for me. Because as you pointed out, of the variety and of the leveling and all that stuff. And I don't mind putting it away. Um, if it if it was harder to take out and put away, it would bother. It would probably swing the other way. But because I can take it out, play three or four missions, put it away, and it's saved just the way I left it and ready to set up and play again. It takes me like five minutes to set it up and get going again. Yeah. For me, Victorum takes the lead because of that. But don't get me wrong, I would happily just play Remastered as well. So I'm a big fan of both of them compared to any other Chip Theory game. They would definitely be my number one, both of them. Like I'd buy both of them before I'd buy Too Many Bones or (laughs) um, any of the other ones. Yeah. So, and I know it's not the same for you. Well, I'm not, well, yeah, yeah. But the ranking is not the same. I, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm the same though for, ah, it's hard, man. <laughs> they, they both bring different things to the table. And I think yeah. it depends what you like and what you're looking for. Look, the nice part about remastered is if you want to get something done, like you said, in an hour, hour and a half, it's nice to be able to do that. I still feel like I can do that with Victorum. Like I said, yeah. because I don't mind playing in sessions. But you don't get that satisfying conclusion, right? Oh, I, I got this far in the game. Like, you just don't have that. You got to keep going with Victorum, whereas Remastered, you, you kind of play it and you're done with it. Yeah, I, I think I think at this point in my play, I'd go Remastered. Yeah. Because I've already beaten Victorum twice. And don't get me wrong, I'd be happy to play it again. And now I can like use some of the Remastered units to change things up. But at the same time, it does just feel like and this is a very unique, you know, like I'm getting, I, I have, oh my God, let me just look at my list. I've got like 20 plus games I'm supposed to be covering right now. And I'm just slowly ticking them off one by one. So sure, most people are not in that situation. You can just have some fun with Victorum. But yeah, for me, and also like, while I could be like Brandt and play some more like two player kind of co-op alternating turns uh, with my sons for Victorum. I don't know if I could keep their attention that long. That's the problem. Yes. Whereas I know like remastered, like my, my son already let my oldest already really likes tactical combat games. We play a lot of them. So I know I can throw down for co-op or competitive and just get that to the table on a consistent basis. So yeah, right now it would be remastered, but I think, but I think in my heart is more with Victorum. I don't know. (laughs) Well, no, I, I mean, I think even for me, they both have pros, right? Like if I'm playing with my son, same thing. I'm going to teach or any new player, honestly, I'm going to teach them with remastered. I'm not going to bring, even if it's like, oh, well, you only have to control half the actions. I don't want to explain all the board stuff, all the other stuff. I think because I started with regular (laughs) Hoplomachus, I'm, I'm okay with the complexity that remastered introduces. Um, but, even for me, if I haven't played in a while, I wouldn't mind starting, you know, hey, I'm going to just do an onslaught battle where I fight yeah. against all the different bosses. And okay, now I remember how to play Hoplo. Now I'll pull out Victorum and add that next level of complexity. So I do think they even work well together. So for me, I say both. <laughs> cool. All right. So, so there you go. Two, $280. Yep. Um, All in, baby. I I do see some some people starting to offer pre-orders for discounted prices, maybe like 230. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Well, and and I'll say this. Like, if you can only get the old stuff because people like you are selling their old stuff for cheap, do that. It's not not that much different. You're not going to be sad that you did it. And it's a good way to see, try it and see if you like it. Now, look, if they're trying yeah. to sell it for full price or like, you know, 280 bucks, no, no. Buy, buy these for 280 bucks. Buy the bucks. new stuff, yeah. But if right. you, yeah, like I, if you could find it for like 100 bucks for all if, the old 50 stuff, 50 bucks or 100 bucks for everything, sure. Yeah. Like 50 bucks or 40 bucks for one set. I think it's a great way to try out the system because it, it still has most of the same DNA and most of the same like kind of heart to it, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, because I don't want to see that old stuff get wasted either because it was a good game and still is a good game. This is just sure. obviously the newer, shinier version of it. But I think you're good either way, you know. But again, same price, buy the new stuff for sure. <laughs> yep. All right. So thanks, everybody. 
Oh, and uh, Brent says Chip Theory is actually going to retail this year. I didn't know they had uh, stuff in retail, but that's cool. That you is can awesome. always order from them. But yeah, I mean, that that's, that makes sense that he says that because I saw like Boardlandia and cool stuff and stuff. They had like pre-order links when I was checking the prices for discounted versions. So that's neat. Uh, yeah, lots of all, all their games. I mean, I pretty much all their games I like or love. They're all pretty expensive. You know, like I, I'm lucky enough to get review copies of most of them. Even as much as I love them, would I own all of them if I didn't get review copies? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, Burn Cycles one we probably wouldn't have. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, that, that's very different, actually. Like, I think yes. I might not own Hoplo and Too Many Bones and Cloud Spire, which live in somewhat more similar things. Burn Cycles are a whole different beast. That's still my favorite, like, stealth game. So I might still own that one, you know? So actually, for you, I'm assuming Hoplo is the least of these. Probably Too Many Bones one. Original Hoplo was the lowest because I did do like a chip theory ranking on the Patreon, like a little bonus video with remastered. I don't know. And especially with Victorum, that might push it above. Above Cloudspire? No, Cloudspire is my number one, dude. Oh, what? All right. That's no. the best of all of them. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Well, and remember, I like war games more than you. That's yes. it. And it's hard. It's a war game. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stuff going on and I love it. <laughs> yes, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on. Uh, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. Bye, everybody. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. Hey, Mike. Yeah. When did you go crazy? Like, what? Cloudspire? When, really? when I got this cold, man, my, my brain. Maybe it's maybe it's the COVID uh, fog, you know? But yeah, brain frog. Brain frogs? <laughs> brain frog. <laughs> brain frog. There we go. Peter's got it, too. <laughs> Apparently.